What are some common challenges that you see with family businesses? How do I leave both ownership and also how do I leave leadership of the company to the next generation? And you know, how do you have those conversations with family members, sometimes with your children, about the skills that they really need to be successful in that role if they're gonna take over the business? What are some tips for a small business if they're gotta have these hard conversations? Do you actionable things that they could do right now? You know, one thing that a lot of families could do is is start having regular family meetings and really to talk about the family aspect of business. To maybe have like an offsite every once in a while, whether that be quarterly, whether it be once or twice a year, having conversations about who do we see as key leaders in this. Jason, sometimes I feel like I have zero trust in you. Well, Nick, in a relationship, sometimes that's a good place to start. But all joking aside, what we're talking about today is zero trust security, which let me define that for you. Zero trust security means that no one is trusted by default from inside or outside the network and verification is required from everyone trying to gain access to resources on the network, which is becoming very important in the manufacturing environment. Yeah, these OT assets are usually very susceptible to attack. So Nick, what is OT? OT is operational technology. So you'll find PLCs in every shop. You'll find HMIs on the touchscreens, on your controls, on your machines. These are what's susceptible. Okay, well, you know, OT assets are very susceptible to attack. I've heard of shops going down, a lot of damage being made to shops out there. Uh, there's often no security built into those assets, poor visibility and unencrypted traffic. Yeah, Palo Alto Network's industrial OT security is the solution that security teams need to provide effective visibility into these OT assets. That's right. Palo Alto Network's industrial OT security provides the most comprehensive zero trust security across all OT environments. It's developed specifically for industrial and manufacturing operations, and it features comprehensive visibility, zero trust security, and simplified operations. That's right. Protect your OT assets, networks, and remote operations with zero trust OT security. Where can they learn more? To learn more, find the link in the description or visit paloaltonetworks.com. That's paloaltonetworks.com. Welcome to Making Sparks, the podcast where we ignite your passion for metal fabrication and fuel your business success. Join industry leaders and dive deep into the world of metalworking. From business insights to tips of the trade, Making Sparks is your forge of knowledge. During each episode, discover success stories, innovative solutions, and expert interviews that light the path to business growth. Subscribe today and grow and improve your company and let's make sparks fly together. Welcome back to the Making Sparks episode. This is part two with Tad Dickel. I'm Casey Velker with my co-host, Matthew Nix. Um, and we're talking about family businesses uh, and tips on how you can navigate communication with your family business, how to uh, talk about you know successes of the business. Uh, succession planning. Succession planning too. I was going to say successes as in like people that maybe are part of the family that aren't, you know, in the know-how all the time of the business. But yeah, you're right, succession plans. Um, so anyway, welcome back, and uh, I'll let Matthew kind of kick this off. One thing I just want to point out right away is, you know, we just did a, this is part two of the episode. Uh, we talked about this in part one, but if you're listening to this and you don't consider yourself a family business, I would just say that a lot of what we're going to talk about here is very relevant to any privately held or closely held uh, family business. A lot of similarities. If you have partners, 
you know, if, if, if it's a small group of folks that hold the ownership of the company, uh, a lot of these things are very applicable. So I just, I just wanted to, to mention that. Like captivated content. Like captivated content. Really okay. small. Very there, small. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, we're happy to have uh, Tad back on for part two of the episode. If you didn't listen to part one, go back and do that. Tad is a um, consultant, coach and consultant, I guess would be an accurate summarization. And one of the things he does, among others, is work with family businesses, uh, including our family. And that's how I've got to know Tad. And uh, it's been a va- valuable experience. So I just thought this would be a great thing to talk about with our listeners. So many of them are family businesses uh, in the in the uh, the metalworking uh, nation. So yeah, we'll just kick off second episode. You wanna you wanna do your dad joke? Oh yeah, I gotta get my phone out because I don't want I don't want to butcher it. You know, this is your first time listening. Uh, Casey knocks it out of the park every episode yeah, this, with this, a dad this, joke. This is a good one here. Um, this one came from Google because. Uh, I haven't heard one like this before, but I really like it. And it's actually pretty easy to think about if you, if you answer this question. So I'm going to see how smart Tad is here. Where do surfers learn to surf? In the ocean. Yes, yeah, technically. But part of the joke is a boarding school. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That was a good one. Good nice one and case. simple. I think I might have to tell that one to my five-year-old. He might get it. <laughs> well, I do, I do threaten to send him to boarding school, so maybe he, he knows what boarding school is. I don't know. I've got a nine and seven year old, and they've been starting to bring some some dad jokes home from well, kid jokes, I guess, home from school. So <laughs> we have fun with that. What are some common challenges that you see with family businesses? I would say one of the challenges, and we see right now, is a lot of families or owners are starting to think about like an exit strategy, and they're thinking about like. How do I leave both ownership and also how do I leave leadership of the company to um, to the next generation? And does that go to, you know, is that shared among my, uh, you know, maybe among siblings or to other family members? Does that go to a non-family member? Um, and so I think that's one of the, the big challenges that probably keeps up people up at night, but a lot of times it's all internal. They're not actually saying these things out loud and having those conversations. I think the other thing that is really challenging related to succession planning is, you know, how do you have those conversations with family members, sometimes with your children, about the skills that they really need to be successful in that in that role if they're going to take over the business. And so I think... Um, I think those are really key challenges. Um, and, and then I think just, you know, dealing with uh, conflict in a healthy way, we're always going to have conflict. But I, and, but I think it's important that we, you know, have those difficult conversations and ultimately they should help us be stronger and be family and, and recognize that, you know, I want, we need to have these conversations, but we also want to preserve the family unit. So it's not, you know, it's not personal. It's just important. 
This is your uh, Sparks of Knowledge for this episode. My name is Adam Schmidt with ProFab Alliance. And today I wanna talk about when we make that transition from the word of mouth style of business development into uh, more branding and marketing. One thing that you can start with today is get on Facebook and, and develop your social media page. Before you start putting content out there, you need to once again, understand what are your values? What are your beliefs? You know, what's the image that you want to portray on social media? You know, this is your time to really get the message out in a way that you want to really show off your, your work and, and your team members and just everything that your business is about. There's going to be one person that sees it that says, I do need that. You know, you're going to find one new person or hopefully several that are going to use your business. And then hopefully that's a satisfied customer and they're going to tell people and those people are going to tell people. It just amplifies that core part of your business development just a little bit more and you're able to take that more into your own hands. What are some tips for a small business if they're if they're got to have these hard conversations? Do you have any like actionable things that they could do right now like if they're like you know whether it's just like like have the conversation like that that's probably one of the tips but what were some other tips right I, I would say that you know one thing that a lot of families could do is is start having regular family meetings and and really to talk about the family aspect of business so there are probably a lot of meetings that take place talking specifically about the business and that's a very natural thing we're we're all kind of used to do that but to maybe have like an offsite every once in a while, whether that be quarterly, whether it be once or twice a year, to talk through some of those issues. Like, you know, maybe the owners need to think about like, what do they see as a vision as uh, as a as a family or as a business? You know, when are they thinking they might want to retire? When are they thinking they might want to change ownership? Um, talk about like what are things that we value as a family that are that we hold near and dear to us um i think those are really important conversations to have i think you know having conversations about who do we see as key leaders in this business whether they're family members or non-family members um, those are also important things but i think those are like important next steps i also think doing a little bit of reading about family businesses can be helpful um, you know, I have a book here today. Um, it's through the uh, Family Business Consulting Group. This one's about family business governance in particular. Yeah, I wanted you to expand on governance. That's that's a word you used in the first episode that I don't know that everyone would necessarily know what we mean when we say governance. It's something I had to learn about. And, and it's, so I'll expand on that in just a, a, a minute. But these they have a series of books that are, you know, 100 pages or less. So they're not they're not heavy reading, but they're very like, I would say actionable books related a lot of different topics related to family business governance. And so, you know, governance is a word that is really relates to how we lead something. And so there's a, a leadership side to like family. So, you know, often it's sort of informal based on, you know, tradition, paternal maternal hierarchy in the yeah. business uh you know those people uh you know kind of you know when i was growing up it's kind of like you look to grandma and grandpa to kind of make the 
whatever they said went and everybody kind of fell in line for the most part. Uh, then you have the the governance of the ownership entity. So you have, you know, thinking about ownership and that's often led by a board, for example. Um, and then you have the governance of the management of the company. And the, that that is, you know, usually our management team or executive team that's governing that. One thing that some family businesses do that I recommend is to create governance of the family and formalize that. And so you can do that by creating what is called a family council. And so you have a regular family council meeting um, that, and you can set who, who, who actually is a member of that council. You might think about like anybody over the age of, 16 or 18 or 20, whatever that age might be, that they can start attending those meetings to start learning about the business and the family. Um, you know, some, some families create a family council that, you know, if by a certain age you're not working in the business, maybe you're, you're no longer part of that council, but that council talks about things related to values as a family. Like I've even seen some families where they'll talk about like, you know, how do we engage on social media as a family? Yeah. You know, do we talk about um, politics? Do we, um, do we share, uh, you know, if, we've, if we have been blessed with wealth, do we share uh, expressions of wealth on social media? Or, um, you know, do we as a family, like some families I've talked to, like, you know, I, I would imagine a lot of our, listeners are are working in um, industries that you know they don't appreciate a major expressions of wealth and so they may have conversations like we're not going to drive luxury cars because that's not the image that we want to present as a family we might be able to afford them but we know the people working for us aren't driving those and we don't want to set ourselves up you know, apart from the rest of the people. And so I think just, you know, those are some initial thoughts about governance that, you know, there is a, a family governance piece that is probably most often neglected out of those three. Like yep. when, in the last episode, we looked at these concentric circles of like family uh, employees and then ownership. Yeah. You know, what's just... Uh, I think trying to bring that to our listeners in a like a practical sense, you know, when you think about the family council and the governance, you know, and uh, one thing to think about is a lot of families will have some kind of a, a foundation or, or any kind of philanthropic things they want to do together. The council might be we talk about that. That's outside the business. The business might contribute to that. Uh, other things would be, you know, family shared assets outside the business, like a vacation property or, you know, other other investments that you've made outside the business that are perhaps shared amongst the family members. So there can be some very tangible things that are talked about, you know, at that, that family council, mm -hmm. uh, as well. And so, um, you know, the way I describe governance, some of my management team asked me what, what is governance and just recently, and, and I just described it. I said, really, it's the way that we make big decisions. You know, it's sort of the foundation for how we make big decisions. And just a quick example, I'm not saying that our way is right, but uh, so the it's very typical, legally speaking, that the owners 
the shareholders is what it's referred to. The shareholders elect the board. So that's the way we do it. Uh, the shareholders elect the board. Then the board appoints the executive team who then manages the day-to-day -day operations of the company. We actually have another layer. We have an advisory board. Our executive team elects the advisory board. So shareholders elect the board of directors. Board of directors elects the executive team to run the day-to-day -day operations, which could, people could be in both buckets, but sometimes one or the other. Um, and then the executive team elects an advisory board. The advisory board's job is to advise the executive team on day-to-day -day operations of the business. Should we buy or sell an asset, buy or sell a, a particular business, key hires, salaries, budget, et cetera? Uh, and then that would get approved by the board of directors. All of that is separate from a family council that might then look at the business, you know, from a, a distance and say, you know, is this asset performing like we want it to? Do we still want to have this business? Uh, you know, much, you know, 30,000 foot view, so to speak. Do you have on your family council um, the members that aren't part of the business that, um, maybe don't oppose the business, but that are like, you know, maybe butt heads a little bit with you. Like, like do you, do you try to get them on that council a little bit to, uh, talk, talk through things like that? Or there are two different structures that you can think about from a family's perspective. There's the council and often those are people that are involved with the business. Um, However, you can also create a family assembly, which a family assembly could be like anybody in the family. And especially as a family grows and you and a business grows and you have, you know, more siblings and in-laws and cousins and, and um, just a, a bigger group of people, like one thing families might consider doing is say, hey, we want to just have a you know, a family assembly that meets maybe once a year that shares some updates on the family. Here's what's going on. Um, but really the idea of the council is to, one of the key roles of the council is to manage conflict and manage, you know, division within the family. And so I think um, you have to make decisions about who who's there that's going to really help make sure that the family is a cohesive unit. Dave Ramsey's got a book I'm listening to right now called The Legacy Journey. Talks a lot about this kind of stuff, but you know, they they, they did a constitution, uh, for, Dave did for his family, and, and they go so far as to talk about, and I, he, I don't know that he used the words family council, but he described that. And basically, you know, with him being the patriarch, he's talking about his grandkids and so forth, and said they laid out some very concrete rules like, you can't use drugs, yada, yada, yada. And he said to stay in the, in the, you know, the tribe, so to speak, you got to live under these rules. And, and that included uh, succession to the wealth that had been created mm -hmm. and, and stewardship of that. And so if you fall outside of that, you know, you're, you're outside of that. And then they have a path to come back in. But, mm -hmm. you know, that's part of what, you know, so if someone just goes rogue, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, not necessarily excommunicated, but you don't get to come to the meeting. You don't get to have a say so in what we do if you don't want to live by the values right. that we've all agreed to as a family. And so mm -hmm. um, 
that's a pretty extreme example, but I think that is a good example of what that could look like. But I, I, I like how that relates to the conversation, our last episode, where we talked about how a lot of division in family and relationships in general comes from that gap between like, what's the expectation and yeah. what actually yeah. happens. Yeah, Dave set a very clear expectation. <laughs> right, right. And, right. And what will happen if you don't live up to that expectation. Right, and, and instead of getting to the point where somebody like, maybe does something that the family doesn't agree with and then is kicked out um, and is surprised or, I mean, yeah. they're really- Or left out of the will and don't understand why. Right, right. Hey, Metalworking Nation, Jason Zenger here. I want to tell you about Palo Alto Networks. They offer zero trust for OT without the PTSD. Keeping operational technology secure and running smoothly is a tall order. It's enough to make the coolest operations director wake up with night sweats, and we don't want that. Zero Trust OT Security delivers comprehensive visibility and security for all OT assets, networks, and remote operations. The Palo Alto Network solution provides exceptional OT protection with over 1,100 app IDs for OT protocols, over 500 profiles for critical OT assets, and over 650 OT-specific threat signatures supported. It provides best-in-class security while simplifying OT security management. It sees and protects everything in the network, and it automates threat detection while implementing zero trust across all operations. We know right now that security at manufacturing companies is critical, and you need to take action on this. So sleep better with the most comprehensive platform to detect manage and secure OT assets. Learn how the Palo Alto Network's Zero Trust for OT Security Solution can achieve 351% ROI over five years. To learn more, find the link in the description or visit paloaltonetworks.com. That's paloaltonetworks.com. I don't think uh, that's crazy out there, but I will say like as a guy who just started business not too long ago, um, the one thing I didn't realize, I'm a pretty transparent person. You can ask my wife, like she, she hates it. I'll come home and be like, this happened at work. And, and you know, she, she, she'll entertain me, but some of it goes over her head or whatever. Uh, but the one thing that I will say, it has made me and her communicate as a business owner. It has made us communicate more effectively um, and be more transparent. And I think, you know, a lot of our listeners, they may be like, oh man, it's, 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 it's almost like therapy. Like it's hard to open up about a lot of this stuff, like financials and things like things that everybody has tabooed a little bit. Um, that goes the screen. Uh, but, uh, um, I think one, one of the things when you have like a governance like this, it, it forces you to communicate and be a little bit more open. And I, I guess you could say vulnerable too, a little bit. Right. Um, especially with people maybe, um, that don't know exactly what's going on in the business and it allows you to be a little bit more vulnerable. Is, do you agree with that or? Sure. I mean, I think these are difficult conversations. And one of the things that, that having some sort of structure and, and many, many listeners may say, wow, that sounds like way too much. That's, that's, that's too much work. Sounds that like sounds, it's for a bigger, yeah, bigger sounds, family business. Sounds too complicated. Like they might, start with a baby step of like saying as a family we're going to meet quarterly and that meeting is going to include some updates about the business some strategic conversation around like where we see the business you know talk about you know 
how's the family doing? Talk about succession planning. Talk about, you know, maybe something as a family we want to come together to do for good in the community. And and you that might be your agenda. Yeah. It could even be just be annually. Right. I mean, if you just did that once a year, I mm-hmm. think it would be fantastic. And Right. Because a lot of times that conversation is happening zero times a year. So so start somewhere. Or it's sprung at the Thanksgiving table when no one wants that. Right. You know, right. It's setting aside a time to have those conversations. And I think it can be really special, too, as, as a family grows to say, you know, maybe maybe we're going to do this as part of a, a weekend trip or something like an overnight where we spend some you know, good social time together. And then maybe the next day we spend half a day meeting and having some of these, these, you know, really important critical conversations for the future of the business and the family. Yeah. The families I see doing it well, big or small businesses, big or small families are doing at least doing that. They're at least meeting annually. I see a lot of them that have a little retreat and do something fun. And then they will have a meeting the following day. Uh, with some kind of a formal agenda that they're going to go through. And uh, yeah, I think that that is a great baby step. I think the other one is really maybe reading a book or two that Tad's uh, recommended. And then the, the Venn diagram we talked about in episode one of really just, you know, go, doing a walkthrough of that to get everyone uh, in the family, whether they're in the business or not, to understand where they fit in that Venn diagram and maybe what are some expectations like you said, the gap between reality and expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might be very simple things that you could do uh, to to help either readjust the expectations or meet those expectations. It might be very simple. Uh, you know, for example, my sister-in-law saying she wanted to know about uh, key leadership hires. Okay, that's a pretty simple thing to fix and very reasonable. Uh, so let's make sure we have a mechanism to make sure she's informed about that. But yeah, but then you you see then too, like to build on that, like if she were to say, like we didn't necessarily have a mechanism for her to just say to the leadership, like we we want, I want to know if there's a key leadership change, you know, so so if we hadn't had that conversation, I think it's possible, like some resentment could have grown that, you know, Maybe she wouldn't feel like she's valued in the business. And so that's also another thing that we need to, we want to try to prevent as much as possible is that, you know, communication is so important and we need regular communication. We often take for granted how much information people are getting. And so if we can schedule time and make that a priority to communicate, then it's going to build stronger relationships with everybody. How soon, like, when, let's say it's like a fabrication, like some, a first generation fabrication business or machining business, and um, and he starts it out of his garage or whatever, you know, and he's he's uh, he's married, has a kid, uh, you know, and maybe his brother helps him on the weekends or something. I don't know. Um, how soon should uh, a small business like that start thinking about um, maybe having an annual little? conversation i'm even thinking for myself like even you know, husband and wife that's I mean, what i was you, gonna you say just, for me and my you, wife like you don't do just that. to have that one time like I'm, I'm already thinking actionable things that me and her could schedule just a time where we go whether go away or whatever and that yeah. um we really talk about like like me and her will talk about a lot about the bigger the bigger purpose of the business like where can we give back you know and we we you know my business i have a service that tell stories and things like that so that's one way we've thought about giving back um but we've also you know you know financially and stuff because 
we've talked about it, but we've never, me and her's never sat down and just yeah. had an agenda. Like you even said. where you, where you see the business going and what does that look like? And, you know, one of the things my wife and I talked about recently that, uh, is like, we were looking at a big opportunity. It was going to require me to travel more, you know, and are you on board with this? Are you supportive of this? Those are the kind of things that you could be thinking about, you know, where are we taking this business and you know how many employees do we want to have what do we want the business to look like what do you want your involvement to be or not be and, right and, what's and, our what's our tolerance for risk yeah yeah you know in terms of like investment of capital um I, I think here's where i would put it if your business is at a point where anybody besides you is dependent on that business being around it's not too early that's yeah. how I was, and so was so you think about way. like even you know, even if you're a one man shop, but your income supports a spouse or children. supports children, it's not too early because what happens if in a flash you're gone mm -hmm. and how are, are you making sure that that income continues, that business continues? Same thing, um, you know, as you know, as you have children, you you are naturally going to think about will my children want to work in the business do i want them to work in the business you know and 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 especially if you have multiple children to think about what could this look like that would be good for the business and more importantly good for the family yeah one of the questions that that we have been asking ourselves as a family that uh, as we've been working with tad as an advisor and we're still mulling this question around is i brought the question up early on i said what does it mean to be a family business what does it mean to us to be a family business because we all get to write our own definition of that i mean there's certain aspects right that i think would fit anyone's definition but you can bend that any way you want for example we have four um for uh, equity owners and then we we also have another level of partners in the company um, we have four executive team owners and then some managers uh, that, that have some partnership in the business. And that's unique for a family business to have that. Uh, we are still uh, principally or majority owned by the family, but, but we do have minority uh, partners that we have to be accountable to and, and uh, you know, be transparent with. And so you know, some people would say, well, you're not a family business anymore. You, know, you have other owners. We don't feel that way. Uh, now, on the other end of the spectrum, if we sell the entire company to private equity, I would say we're not a family business. But what if we sold one of our businesses and then we move into new assets, you know, and we're managing those assets? Are we still a family business? So those are questions we've been asking ourselves. And, you know, what, what does that look like? And I think uh, it could be just simple things like that, that coming together to, to ask some deep, meaningful questions and, and ponder that, uh, you know, can go a long way. Right. And there's no, I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. It's, yeah. it's something that you build hopefully some consensus from the family and decide this is, this is what it means to be a family business to us, you know? And there are also times where you say as a family business, like it's, it's not always like a one or the other, but like what's more important, the family or the business? I mean, those are those are really good conversations. Like, yeah. is family more important than profit? And and they they're both important. Like, so I don't think we ever like select absolutely. You know, profit is always the most important. Family is always the most 
important, but like there's that dynamic that exists where you have to value both and hopefully they can be mutually supporting. Yeah. Um, we're coming close on time. So I kind of want to wrap this up, wrap this up a little bit, but Tad, I got one question. Like if there's just one takeaway that a, a family business could take, um, and again, thinking our listeners are in the metalworking nation. Um, what's like one thing that they could do when they stop listening to this right now? I would say number one, like really think about the future and and be brave enough to have the conversation about the future. And I would say, you know, today they could say, you know what, next month we're going to meet as a family. Everybody's invited. We're going to do this simple thing and we're going to talk about what do we value as a family? How's the business really doing? What do we see as the future of the business? Who are the key uh, successors. What are our expectations? What are our expectations as a, as a family business? And, and also I'd say to read a little bit, you know, there are a lot of great articles online that people can look at FFI where I did training through, they have a lot of great articles that people can look at and just, just educate. Most of us educate ourselves on the business, but sometimes we could stand to educate ourselves on the family part of the business. Yeah. Excellent. Hey, Nick, thanks for sending me that shop tour video that you just did. That was great. Yeah. You know, I got the idea from one of my customers and they told me that when they have a prospect visit their shop for a tour, they have an over 90% close rate. Well, you know, with all of these supply chain problems, people are setting up new vendors all the time. Why not send them one of those videos instead? Yeah, it was great. The ThomasNet team helped me. They sent somebody to my facility and they were able to kind of capture a shop tour without it being in person. So you can check that out on my ThomasNet profile, Advanced Machine and Engineering or Hennig. We actually had two of them done. That's great. And I talked to ThomasNet about this and they said that they can send a camera with short notice anywhere in the U.S. and Canada. And when you go to ThomasNet, you can engage with a half a million suppliers, 78,000 categories of products, and every month they have 1.5 million buyers searching out suppliers. And videos are a great way for people to find out about your facility. Yeah, and it's really easy to sign up. You just go to the website, thomasnet.com, and a few clicks and you'll be right there. So go to business.thomasnet.com slash programs, and that'll take you directly to sign up for one of their videos. That's business.thomasnet.com slash programs. Well, thanks a lot for being with us, Tad. A lot of good stuff here. Um, I guess the last thing I was going to say is how can people kind of follow along, connect with you? Yeah. Sure. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. My my business is T.A. Dickel Group, uh, so you can look us up, tadickel.com. Uh, you can also uh, check out my podcast. Uh, it's called Tad Dickel's Leadership and Stra- Strategy Podcast. It's on any of the major podcast platforms. Love to connect with uh, any of our listeners in the future. Awesome. 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 Well, that wraps up this episode. Uh, again, if you didn't uh, listen to the first part, we kind of introduced Tad and we talked about um, you know some of the things that you have to think about when you're running a family business. Um, I think both episodes together can give you a lot of actionable items so um, again if you enjoyed this episode please give us you know a share you know refer it to a friend um, and continue you know to subscribe and, and, and follow more for some more making sparks content